This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here today with an interesting topic. We're talking about free agents that are available in the offensive line. And we've got a guy who, who's joining us on a lot of work on this area, has got some interesting reference players and players around the league who either might be cut or might become available. Connor Hartman. Connor, how are you doing? Hey, Ken. Doing great. How are you? Great to have you on the show again, Connor. Appreciate it. And uh, last time you were on the show was about what? Uh, we talked about the compensatory pick formula last year, uh, a few months from now. So, yeah, like April time frame after the uh, free agency was done. 
All right. Outstanding. So always a consideration for the Ravens here. And I, I really like the way you've laid out the information for this. But rather than having me explain it, why don't you t- take us through what your methodology was and w- what you're trying to do by position here? Yeah, absolutely. So I've noticed that there's a real difficulty with being able to analyze cut players just in media spaces in general. And in order to truly evaluate it, I had to use a few resources. I looked at the over the cap numbers. So effectively what I did was I took all the teams holistically and pulled every single player that if was cut would generate more than 2 million in salary cap relief. And then I went into looking at the grading of the players to see if they were worthwhile. Um, Looked at the position, looked at the age and looked at some of their measurables as well, just to make sure to get a good holistic list. And in order to really evaluate whether or not a player will be cut or if they'll just end up staying on the same team. All right. That's terrific. So where, where would you like to start at position wise? Uh, we can start at offensive tackle. If that works okay. For you. That sounds good. Obviously the, the Ravens biggest hole, I think we'd say coming into this off season and free agency is one way to solve it. The Ravens, I think they better draft somebody in this draft right now. It's, it's Ronnie Stanley and Juwan James are looking like the two most significant tackles. Uh, would you put, put Patrick McCary in that group or do you think it's unlikely that he'll play tackle this year? It really depends on what they end up doing at center, and we can talk about that a little bit later as well. Okay. All right. I, I, that's probably what I would see as well as he ends up back at center. But let's go through your, your, uh, uh, your thought process in terms of, of tackle. Where's the, what's the minimum the Ravens need to be looking for? Yeah, so right now I made a list of reference players to just be able to evaluate the um, position, right? And in this case, I think most Ravens fans would agree that if they're going to be moving in that direction, they would at least want some, something somewhat similar to the play that McCart, McCary had last year and at minimum better than what the Ravens ended up getting out of Villanueva last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, they obviously are not going to pay $6 million for what Villanueva did last year again. I have kind of pondered whether or not there's an amount that they'd want Villanueva back for as a backup, but I don't think it would be anything he'd want to play for. You know, if you want to play for $2 million or $2.5 million this next year, would, would that be worth it in terms of a, of a insurance cap amount? Yeah, I mean, if Villanueva wants to come back on a veteran minimum deal, I think that would be great, and that would be great as a backup, but I think he would probably rather retire than come and play for a vet minimum deal. Hmm. All right. Uh, terrific. So who are some of the offensive tackles that might become available? I'm sure there's a whole bunch of really good ones out there. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a solid list. Um, the issue ultimately with this offensive line list in general is that there's just there's a not a ton of offensive linemen that are in the league that teams are going to be willing to cut because, mm-hmm. as you saw in the Super Bowl, offensive line play is crucial to success. And somehow the Bengals made it there with, you know, Burrow being able to throw the ball out quick. But then once it got to the dance, you know, you ended up seeing that really the big hole was offensive line. And 
the Chiefs had very similar issues last year, and then they dedicated a lot of resources to fixing that problem last offseason. But that's going to be prevalent in the entire league. If you're a contender, you're going to want to keep a really solid offensive line. Okay, no arguing with that. Let's talk about some of the players available. Absolutely. So right at the top, some of the guys that are going to be generating a lot of cap savings if the teams end up cutting them are DJ Humphreys, Taylor Lewan, Brian Balaga, and George Fant. And all of those guys generate more than $10 million in cap savings for their team. And it really all depends on what the team would want to do moving forward. I would say Humphreys is a guy to really look into because right now the Cardinals are sitting at a over-the-cap position and cutting Humphreys would generate $15 million in cap relief for them. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm not seeing – I see cap savings. Oh, the cap savings is – it won't even fit within the, uh, the cell here as I'm looking at it. So let me open oh. that up. Yeah, there you go. That tells you when you see a bunch of you know, pound signs, or as I would call them, or hashtags, that it, it, it oh. doesn't work. All right, so $15 million if they uh, if they cut him, and they still have $4.3 million to pay him. So I guess it's a $19.3 million cap hit for him. Definitely last year of a contract is always the time you cut a player uh, like that. Humphreys has been a good player at times, still is not particularly old at age 28. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. So he would be a luxury pick if the Ravens went in that direction. I, I think that Humphreys still, he's playing well enough that he can get a reasonable size contract. And if the Ravens wanted to go in that direction, I think they would have two pretty solid bookends to their line. I'm just not sure if they'd be willing to give Humphreys the money that he's going to desire if he were cut by the Cardinals. Kind of hard to say exactly what he's worth because he seems to be the kind of player that could get overpaid um, in in a in a world very short on tackles. You know how much would he be overpaid by? Uh, is a legitimate question, I guess. Not not at the top of the league in terms of tackles. In fact, um, you know how far ahead of Alejandro Villanueva is he? Is one question we would have to have. Yeah, and, and he's been playing a lot of snaps the last couple of years, which is pretty consistent with offensive line in general. They're generally playing just about every snap, kind of like the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing that really has to be analyzed with some of these guys. Like somebody down the list a little bit is Brian Balaga, who's been injured the last couple of years. And somebody like Humphreys, is playing over a thousand snaps each year while Balaga had 45 last year because he got injured very, very early and Mm -hmm. 444 the year before that. So he's a guy that might be more likely to retire than he would be to actually be cut and then signed by another team. Even though with offensive line play, as you saw again in the Super Bowl with Andrew Whitworth, who I believe turned 40 before the Super Bowl, yep. they can play late into their 30s as a career versus some of the other positions, say like running back, where they generally play a little bit younger. It's, it, it's not that that's not true, 
with offensive linemen. But I always encourage people, don't try and guide your decisions by the incredible exceptions. There's a lot of total offensive linemen out there. There's a relatively small size and shape pool for the left tackle position in particular. Andrew Whitworth happens to be square in the middle of it. That's something that's helped him to last longer than he did. But it's, you know, I, I, it's for the same reason you don't want to say I can pitch till, till I'm 45 because Nolan Ryan did. Uh, it, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't work the same way. So I, I, I look at this and I'd say uh, some of these older guys I would be very afraid of. And Balaga is certainly one of those guys. Marcus Cannon would be another that I would be really kind of afraid to take a chance on at this point. I think that's pretty reasonable with Cannon. Um, he didn't. Similarly, he only had about 200 snaps last year. And those snaps were about the level that Makari was playing. And I think he's another guy that he's likely more likely to retire than would to be signed by another team, considering that he's 33 right now, heading into the uh, twilight of his career. Right. How, how long is Taylor Lewan signed? Is he signed for just this year or for more years than this? I will check real quick for you. I'm sorry. I, I have two hands and the ability to go to OTC too, so I, <laughs> I should be able to do this as well. Yeah, let me let me check. Um, All right. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll make the point I was going to make anyway. It looks like he's, he's probably in the last year of his deal because the dead money is only $1.8 million. So it looks like he's coming into the last year. Can't say for sure. But the, the question about him would be, okay, he, he may really want to go to free agency. So an extension seems to be a reasonable option. Obviously, he's been hurt a fair amount and hasn't been that great, honestly, when he has played. But he's the kind of player that would just really seem to do very well with this market. 30 years old, not totally over the hill yet, but still probably capable of getting a four-year deal out of a uh, contracted tackle market where if you don't have them, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And the, similar to, you know, the issue that we were talking about earlier is that the Titans right now, clearly they were the one seed last year in the AFC. They're a contender. And if they're going to, whether they stick with Tannehill or if they try to bring in a new quarterback, they're going to want to have a really solid offensive line for that quarterback. And although cutting Taylor Lewan would save them about 13 million in cap space, they're probably going to say, Hey, we want to stick with the guy just so that we can continue to contend for the uh, foreseeable future. Is there a dark horse in here in the tackle group that you're saying he'd be a reasonable chance to be cut and a reasonable chance. The Ravens would want to take a chance on him. I think the guy to really consider in this group is George Fant. And it really depends on how the Jets overall feel about their situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that they just got a new young quarterback in Zach Wilson last year. And they're sitting pretty well in the uh, cap position. But sometimes cutting guys earlier or late in their deals will then allow them to do even more in free agency than they could. And cutting George Fant would free 10 million. And it seems like with some of the moves they've made recently with Elijah Vera Tucker last year and Mackay Becton the previous year, they could 
use both of those guys as tackles and send Fant into the free agent frenzy. All right. So that that would be a big one if he becomes available. Another guy who he's been okay. I don't think he's been great, but some of that may be the Jets and you know their their scheme and their ability to to avoid having their tackles give up pressures by having good quarterback play. Um, I, I'm just I'm I'm not sure that that he's enough of an upgrade to really not go to the draft, which is the Ravens' big other option at tackle. I've kind of been a proponent of saying the Ravens need to spend an early pick on a tackle, and I can live with it being a one or a two. I'd prefer if it's a one, but if it is a two, it better be a um, – they really saw a, a player with, there was a terrific value pick in that first round. And then they need, I think they need a developmental tackle as well. The other thing I'd say is – I want two guys who can play left tackle, and that's a big ask. But right now, we don't have any sure left tackle on this team. I think we can we can honestly say that. So having two guys who might be able to do it is really, I think, the way to go. Uh, and that might mean you have to get one from free agency uh, that you, you really can't draft a developmental tackle you like enough. You end up with Gregory Sinat or somebody if you if you just take a six round tackle. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that position that that you're in there the draft is definitely an option for the ravens um there very well could be a guy there at 14 that the ravens see as a blue chip guy that they can pick up and replace and then it appears that in the second third fourth round of this draft that the tackle play could be a little bit deep and Mm -hmm. there was some guys last year i know that that was something that the ravens could have potentially been considering Pass to get a on. developmental tackle um, guy like I think it was Spencer Brown that the Bills ended up getting. He was one played. pick before the Ravens, uh, so before they picked Ben Cleveland. So they might not have had a chance at him, but there were other guys. Stone Forsyth was available late, and they took Ben Mason. I mean, it just they made they made some distinct choices to not take tackles, and I think what it meant was they were depending on guys like Andre Smith to actually have some playable value. And I mean, he got on the field. That was embarrassing. Yeah, I I agree. And ultimately in this whole tackle conversation, the real question is, you know, who's going to play center. If they bring in a free agent center, then McCary will McCary will end up being the right tackle likely. And, you know, where is Stanley's health? Is Stanley going to be healthy for the full season? And if he is, then that left tackle conversation, you know, they, they can use Stanley. And he's shown to be an all-pro left tackle in this league. Okay. So hopefully hopefully we get the Ronnie Stanley we expect back to. And, and uh, you know, things looked okay in camp. It, it really looked like he was going to be able to start the season. He looked, he, you know, he was ramping up in a way that seemed good. But, you know, you just never really know what you're getting. Uh, until you get real live fire and he had very little of that in the preseason and then got into week one of the regular season and he had a a really terrible game against the Raiders Uh, one of the worst he's ever had and uh, yeah I I just I I hope Ronnie Stanley returns to be the same guy it's it's scary to think he might not but the Ravens need to need to assume that he he's not the guy and have the the uh the other alternatives ready to go this year because you know Alejandro Villanueva was the only guy they had last year and you know as scary as it was having him play on the left side week after week it's even scarier to think what might have happened if he'd have gone down yeah I mean if Andre Smith took over 
that left tackle and McCary was that right tackle, it could have been even worse. Okay, I'll tell you what. We want to get through all these positions. Let's move on to guard here or, or wherever you'd like. You want to go to center next or where would you like to go next? We can go to center um, if, if you want because the center position is really, I think most people can argue that the tackle and the center are the, really the two open holes on the Ravens line if Bozeman ends up leaving in free agency. So some, some of the guys here – at, at the top for cap savings and he's going to be less cap savings and the tackles just due to the nature of the centers making less money than the tackles. But right now at the top sitting with Brandon Linder, Connor McGovern, Mitch Morse and JC Treader. And they all are going to free up cap space for their prospective teams in the range of eight to about 10 million. Okay, so Treader, uh, the Browns have really paid their offensive line. So they've got now a big contract at each guard spot, which is very unusual. Usually you play one guard, but you won't pay two. Uh, but they've got a, a $15 million guard, I believe, on both sides. Or if it's not that, it's very close to it in terms of AAV with Betonio and Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller, yes. that's not, is that right? Did- I think I think you're correct. Yeah. Okay. I th- I, for some reason, I'm thinking Wyatt Teller plays for the Chiefs, but it's like a recurring nightmare that he plays for every other AFC team. But uh, I think that's Austin Ryder. You okay. might be thinking of. All right. Well, anyway, uh, they they have two big contracts at guard. Uh, they have uh, Conklin right at right tackle, who they've been yep. using, and so he's still making a lot of money. And now, if they if they if they pay Treader, and he's he's already getting paid, he's going to make eight point two million this year with a a cap hit of almost ten million in total. If they cut him, they can save eight point two, but then they go to go out and find his replacement. And I don't know if they're comfortable doing that. Yeah, I think Treader being cut is very very unlikely, just because of how well Treader's been playing. And I mean, generally, if a player has been playing really well for your team, regardless of position, regardless of cap savings, you're going to find a way to try and keep them on the roster. And because Treader has been playing so well and with those two guards that they just paid a lot for, it really helps their run game with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And it seems like, you know, if the Browns want to continue to be in that contend- contending window, they're going to want to keep that strong offensive line. Okay, so let's lay out the Ravens' options here across the board at center because they can certainly um, go to the draft and try and find somebody. They can use the in- in-house options. And if they draft a center, it's only going to be one center. It'll be only one center they draft. I've never heard of a team really going out and drafting two centers. You might develop a guy who ends up being a center, and that is something that, by the way, the Ravens have done in the past. Skura actually could be could be like four in a row. Skura, uh, Bozeman, Jensen, and possibly McCary this year are all guys who started at guard and ended up at center. And the Ravens seem to have a trend now of doing that. And I think we'd say they've had some success in the past uh, with Jensen and Bozeman in particular. So it might be something they, they, they continue to try and do. Um, and, and this year, the, the guy who makes sense is McCary. And when you look at all of the signal flags being thrown up there, isn't it fair to say that the Ravens have been pretty clear by signing McCary that it's likely Bozeman is not going to be back with a big contract? Yeah, it really depends um, with the McCary situation, whether or not, because they did sign James Hurst to a reasonable deal 
a few years back. And mm-hmm. ultimately, he ended up being signed to that deal to be their swing tackle. So do the Ravens see McCary as a swing tackle option for, I think it was about $5 million a year, or do they see him more to be the starting center? And it, I guess we'll see soon um, mm-hmm. because there is a lot of guys out in free agency, uh, not as many cut candidates, obviously. And there's really one big guy in the draft, and that would be Linderbaum. But do the Ravens really want to spend their premium 14th overall pick on a center? And well, that's just something we'll have to see. Right. Uh, I think I, you know. I think it is probably more likely they spend someone with a left tackle skill set since they have people in house. You could I, I I could believe the Ravens are willing to compete or allow Cologne to compete. I just can't believe he's their first choice. You know, it's, it it doesn't really seem to make sense at this point based on what he's shown so far. It makes a lot more sense that McCary would be the guy to me. And I, I think a lot of people are looking back at that Buffalo game from from 2020, the playoff game, and say, you know, boy, it didn't work out then. Well, you know, bad snaps are one of those correctable things for a center. And it, it was also something that I think that, that McCary was already getting started. I'm uh, sorry, was – behind in terms of where he was they had him they had him one of the years i think it was 20 they had him do all of the snaps in camp all of the shotgun snaps in seven on seven drills just so he could kind of learn the position and obviously uh you know it doesn't work out perfectly but it's not like the the ravens got perfect snaps out of bradley bozeman either yeah i mean it's realistically the that season the ravens were rotating their center position between you know Cologne Castillo and McCary and Skura and I don't think they played Bozeman at center that year but if potentially you give McCary a whole camp to work at center um, it could be very similar to the Bozeman you know experience that we got last year where he ended up being a top 10 center in the league so yep uh, who were who the guys that you would say the Ravens should consider given what they have. I mean, it's, it's a very complex position to decide because you really have to first commit to the fact that McCary is going to be moved back to center. If you really consider him the quote unquote reference player for, for what you're otherwise going to do, whether you're going to need to draft someone or whether you're going to, going to go out into free agency and get somebody better than McCary. Uh, I, I think he's the relevant player though. I, I, at this point, uh, they probably have a very good idea that they're going to lose Bradley Bozeman. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I can't imagine that they really are holding on hope. I guess it could be surprised me. Something's going on behind the scenes, but it looks to me like the tea leaves are pretty well uh, out there right now. It really depends um, because there are a lot of free agent centers hitting the market this year. Um, I believe it's the Rams center as well as the Titans center, Ben Jones and Jensen and Bozeman, all of them are hitting free agency and that could potentially compress the market for Bozeman. And Mm -hmm. maybe Bozeman right now is expecting a lot of money, maybe more in the 10 to $15 million APY range. And the Ravens aren't willing to pay that. And it could very well be a very similar situation to the Derek Wolf contract last year where the Ravens held out 
for a while during the free agency period and ended up Wolf then priced himself into the Ravens price range later in the free agent process. All right. Well, that that is certainly a possibility. Do you foresee the Ravens making any big moves early in free agency again this year? If they were, and I know this has been talked about a lot in the Ravens spaces on Twitter, I think it would be more likely to be to one of these lesser value positions being center or safety. And safety is a discussion topic for another day. Mm-hmm. But it really looks like the market out there, at least on the free agent market, less so on the cap casualty market, very well could be ripe for a large contract at center. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to guard then. Uh, talk about some of the players available there. Sure. So the top guys here, and some of these guys very well could be trade candidates as well, is Saffold is right now sitting at the top of the cap savings at about $10.4 million. And then you hit another Cardinal and Justin Pugh, and then go down one more as Shaq Mason, who would save the Patriots about $7 million. Mm-hmm. And then um, he, can't, Wes, he wouldn't. There's no way they'd cut Shaq Mason. And he's, been, he's, he's the guy. Yeah. He's the guy that I think if there were a trade candidate for a guard, Shaq Mason would be the, the guy to go for. The Patriots right now are in a very difficult situation with creating cap room because of all the free agents they signed last year. Mm-hmm. And so if they were to maybe extend some of those guys, like a Nelson Aguilar or a couple, one of the tight ends that they signed last year, then that could potentially free up some space. Um, the other option would be Shaq trading or cutting Shaq Mason, considering that they do have some flexibility with Onwenu on their line, and uh, as well as Isaiah Wynn. But Isaiah Wynn's only signed for one more year, so it's really a matter of do they want to spend big and trying to retain guys like J.C. Jackson, or and then break down their offensive line or are they going to continue to keep a strength of strength at their offensive line and find other ways to build their defense? All right. That's, that's fair enough. Of course, cringing at the, every time the name of Ueno is, is mentioned. Um, who, who besides Shaq Mason, who else is really exciting? What about Nate Davis of the Titans? Is he a guy who is exciting at all? I think Nate Davis could be a positive guy to add. He um, he's had solid play. He he very well could come in and be the starter right away for the Ravens. I think the major issue is that the Titans are right sitting with Saffold and Nate Davis. Saf, cutting Saffold would free up ten point four million, mm-hmm. and cutting Nate Davis would be three million. However, the thing with Saffold is he has some development there over time. He's been with the team for a while, and I don't think that the Titans really would outright cut Saffold as much as if he was put in that situation, he may just retire. Right. Well, he's, he's old. 
And, and I, you know, it's, it's hard to say whether he's really any better at this point than Nate Davis. And Nate Davis is at least a younger player. Still on his first deal, he's earned escalators, if I recall correctly. But he's not yet. He still he hasn't signed his first big contract yet. So if you acquire a Nate Davis, it's probably, it's probably via trade because I doubt he'll be cut. And he makes little enough money that you could you could uh, you could bring him in. The problem I have is that if you're talking about a backup guard, and I think the discussion is all about backup guards with the Ravens, uh, don't don't you start with the assumption? Let me put it that way: that Cleveland and Zeitler are the starting guards on this team. I think that's fair. Yeah, and so we're talking about replacing Ben Powers as a backup where the problem with Ben Powers is that his performance has been okay, but not, not really great. He probably really meets the criteria backup, but he's earned escalators now that are going to have him earning about 2.5, 2.6 million this coming year that might actually be too high for the Ravens for a backup. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think Nate Davis is in the very, very similar situation Mm -hmm. where he had the escalators bump him up in the final year of his rookie deal. And I think that's why, if, if given in the situation, they can save almost three million. It's very similar with Powers. If the Ravens were to cut him, it's about two point five to three million. Now, do the Ravens feel like doing that trade off, right, going one to one, would be good? And I think that Nate Davis could actually command a somewhat decent bit of a market. Hmm. Similarly, a guy, and this would be an even higher level than Nate Davis is Elton Jenkins with the Packers. And he's, he played very, very well last year for them when their left tackle Bakhtiari went out. And I don't think that they would really want to get rid of Elton Jenkins, at least in a cut perspective. And he could potentially command a pretty reasonable market in the trade market. So if there was a guy that the Ravens really wanted to say, hey, we want to get a really, really good player and trade away some of the draft capital, Elkton Jenkins would probably be that guy, either him or Shaq Mason that we talked about earlier. Right. It, I, I, I'm not saying no to that. And he's certainly he's kind of like this year's Orlando Brown at guard, a guy in the in the I think he's in the fourth year of his of his still his rookie deal. I might be wrong about that. He may. But anyway, uh that's worth looking up. But, but anyway, the, the, uh, if you're only getting him for one year, I'm not that excited about it because, you know, you've got a, a, a potential comp pick you could get, I guess, suppose from powers that might not happen. But if you, if you, uh, bring in somebody else, or you trade one of your guys, the Packers may not want to trade a player like Jenkins just because there's comp value there, or it raises the price for the Ravens in terms of what they have to trade to get him. So I, I if, you, if you're the Green Bay Packers, and yeah, you have to do some rebuilding here, and I don't know their current exact cap position, but you have a $4 million guard. That's not the first place you look for a cut. I, I agree. And the Packers right now, the biggest issue with them is, and these questions are going to be answered relatively soon in the next few weeks, is whether or not they still want to keep stay in their contention window or if they want to go in a full rebuild. And it all depends on the situation with Aaron Rodgers. Right now, the Packers are sitting over the cap, $50 million, which is the second-worst situation in the NFL. And their situation is probably the worst in the NFL because the Saints, with about $74, $75 million over the cap, they live for this type of stuff. 
they're hmm. always structuring their contracts in a way where they can restructure to be in a positive cap position or the Packers generally don't spend very big in free agency. And the last few years, they've really been going all in more on that. And now they're in the situation where they kind of have to pay the piper. So with, with guys like Elton Jenkins, who I don't believe they're going to get rid of if they're going to, take that approach on the offensive line, I think it's more likely that they would get rid of Billy Turner. Mm -hmm. But the issue with Billy Turner is that he generates a lot of dead money with, if he were to be cut. And I don't know if the Packers would want to take on all that dead money to, to effectively just have a hole at the position. All right. Really interesting stuff here. Any other overarching thoughts on this? And, and if you had to pick the one player on the offensive line that you think the Ravens will go after and sign, uh, who might it be? And that include free agents and cuts. That's, that's really a tough one. I think that the fan favorite right now would be Ryan Jensen. Um, mm-hmm. I know that he played really well. He had Joe Flacco's back a few years ago, especially in that Dolphins game, where I think a lot of people remember when Flacco took that big hit. Ryan Jensen was the first one in the pile to really defend Flacco. I think Ryan Jensen is a really good guy in that topic of discussion. Um, I think that I believe his name is Brian Allen of the Rams. I believe he was their center. I think that could be a really good option for them or Ben Jones with the uh, the Titans free agent could be a really good option. It really depends on what the other teams do in this re-signing period. But there will be a lot of really good options at the center position in free agency. And I think that if the Ravens were going to take an option to build their offensive line prior to the draft, I think they would address it at the center position versus the guard or the tackle position. Yeah, it's, it's certainly been the Ravens' philosophy. It's a great point you make that they'll often wait till after the draft to do their free agency signings. You get two benefits from that. One is you don't have to appropriate your draft capital early, and you don't have to narrow the positions at which you can you can draft, which is really good for not getting forced into a bad position in terms of value during the draft. But the other thing that I think is naturally good is the bargain bin players tend to be a much better deal than some of the real high number players. And obviously that's going to be true as stated that some of the high number players, but in general, I think they, they, they tend to be a very good bargain uh, relatively. And if your team is good at selecting the ones that fit their own scheme, well, then that's usually the way to go. Uh, It's, it, it wasn't always true that the Ravens adopted this kind of a strategy towards free agency, but I think they've, they've done well with it over the last few years. Oh, absolutely. And you look at the last free agent, pool that happened last year there was a ton of bargain players that played really really good snaps Mm -hmm. like for the Bengals they had a a few of those guys I think DJ Reader was one oh was he a bargain player was he he was there at the end I can't remember but I believe he wasn't a top of market deal like a Leonard Williams with the uh the Giants um Chidobe Awuzier was another guy they picked up last year in free agency that had really positive play for them as well as um, with the Raiders, I believe it was Casey Hayward who came in, played really, really good for them, and he'll probably get a much bigger deal. And and one of the guys that we got, Houston, 
I mean, Houston mm-hmm. came in very late in the process for a very, very low annual salary, and he played really, really good for the Ravens. Right. He, he far outplayed that contract, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I just I, I hope the Ravens are able to, to reduplicate that magic. I mean, if you look back at the 2000 Ravens, they were built in a large way by an amazing streak of free agency signings, just an, a, a historic streak of free agency signings over several years, uh, during which time they got Syracuse and Sharp and uh, Sam Adams and McCrary. And I'm forgetting one, but Rod Woodson. I mean, it's, it's just you, you, you could do that. You could bat a thousand on your free agency signings. But if you're not going to bat a thousand on your free agency signings, it's nice if they're bargains. It's nice if they're if you're not spending the whole cap on that. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at some of the more recent guys that the Ravens got in free agency, like a Steve Smith, mm-hmm. which I guess wasn't very, very recent, but he played very well for them as well as. Eric Weddle was another guy who was mm-hmm. just in the Super Bowl, and I think he does. Oh, and Earl bit. Thomas that worked out. Oh. <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> Earl Thomas on the opposite end of the uh, free yeah. agent spectrum. And talking about the center position, Matt Burke was another guy that the Ravens got in free agency. Oh, that's played really, yeah. really well. Yeah, he broke. He completely broke my center scoring scale. It took me a long time to adapt down the the requirements for the position after Burke left because he was so good. Yeah. All right, Connor, outstanding to have you on. This is great stuff, and, and it's just the kind of stuff we need to get back into football, get back about excited about this. But would you manage expectations with folks out there that, that the Ravens are probably not going to have two big signings in this year's free agency? I think it really depends on what they end up doing with Marcus Peters and with Lamar Jackson. If okay. they are able to extend Lamar early in the process, that will free up a lot of cap space. Mm-hmm. And similarly with Marcus Peters, I think it can with Lamar, it can free up, I think, up to 18 million, which will likely be closer to the 12, 14 range if they extend mm-hmm. him cap space. And with Peters, it can, they can get up to seven. I don't think they're going to cut him. I don't think they're going to trade him unless they make a really big splash play for a, somebody like J.C. Jackson, which very well could happen, but I don't expect it to. So it really depends on those two guys. If they don't make major moves on Lamar and Marcus Peters, then I think the best to expect is one large signing and a few, and a few maybe medium-tier signings. Okay. All right. Outstanding to have you on, Connor. We're going to be doing more of these shows. I'm really looking forward to them and looking at other positions with you in terms of, of uh, what's going on because the, the stuff you put together is outstanding and, and uh, helps you look around the league. Uh, other folks out there, if, we're still doing the Fixing the Ravens series. So if you'd like to get in on that, uh, hit me up on Twitter. DMs are open. And uh, idea for that would uh, would be welcome. Narrow is good. We'll get into some depth of it in about 25 minutes and uh, hopefully uh, talk it out to a, to a good degree. If you've heard some of the other ones, they've been pretty good already. Uh, Connor, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you can get me on Twitter at... Raven CPA. Um, just, yeah, Raven CPA. It's very, pretty, pretty Thanks. straightforward in terms of a uh, Twitter handle. <laughs> Thanks for interjecting that, Connor. Very sorry to not lead you through that before. So Raven CPA, any other writing anywhere or uh, other work that goes up is mostly Twitter. 
Nope, just uh, mostly just kind of random passion projects that I have. So, you know, if if I have anything else, I'll I'll likely come to you first, Ken. Outstanding. Thanks, Connor. Thanks again for coming on, and we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.